you guys are lucky, like, uh, you know, meaning in, uh, in terms of having a board member like Matt, uh, who understands technology intimately, mm -hmm. like he has experience, but that's not always the case. A lot of times when you go, you know, you could have a C-suite that they don't really understand the data, you know, strategy need and, and the data foundation's importance at a deeper level. Uh, and, and so I used to work for this financial firm where, uh, you know, I was responsible to manage the data. So my three months into the, into the job, um, after talking to several other people in de several departments, I put together a dashboard for them based on some, you know, data that I built behind the scenes and I shared with the, with the C-suite. Um, and it's basically breaks down all the assets that they're managing and what type of mm -hmm. products, blah, blah, blah. And then 10 minutes into the call, uh, I thought I would get uh, a lot of like appreciation and all of that. And this one guy goes, uh, my guy can build this in Excel. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I should have prepared these guys what it takes to do this. Uh, first thing, the data set that I put together was 200 million rows behind the scenes. Excel has a limit of 1 million. Yeah. There's no way you could do it. And he has no idea because his exposure was only the charts. Yeah. He doesn't understand what this is looking at the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you don't have maps in all these board, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, uh, C suites. So you have to, I mean, if you, you in the sense, Whoever is listening to this uh, and watching this, and if you are one of those uh, persons responsible for your data strategy or, or you're adding value to your organization from a data standpoint, you need to think about how do I educate this C-suite yeah. upfront mm. so they understand the importance of having a data foundation, having a data strategy. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Coalesce, a monthly podcast about all things data and the trends and technology transforming our industry. I'm Armand Petrosian, CEO of Coalesce, and here with me is my co-founder and CTO, Satish Jayanti. Together, we'll be your host for the next hour. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon or evening for some of the people that are across the globe tuning in today. Super excited to have Michael Tantrum and Matt Tischler joining us. Uh, I'll let you two introduce yourselves and then we'll take it from there. Um, Matt, Michael, you want to go first? Go ahead, Michael. Sure. Uh, so uh, my name's Michael Tantrum. Um, I have uh, actually known Armon and Satish for uh, probably about a decade now. Uh, and uh, I've been in the data and analytics space uh, for over 30 years. I built my first analytic database in 1989 uh, on Ball and Paradox, if uh, anybody ever remembers that. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, been in the space a long time, uh, lots of experience in different places and very happy to, to be here with the guys and, and uh, talk uh, about um, Coalesce and about uh, data stuff. Yes, absolutely. Excited. Glad to have you here, Tantrum and, and Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Tischler, uh, the CFO of a company called Rufflebutts. So we're a direct to consumer children's apparel company, fast growing, you know, private equity backed, a lot going on here. And we were a heavy user of, of Coalesce and, and have also worked with Michael on kind of a data warehouse build. So uh, I am a CFO. I have got, you know, financial background, but a lot of data background. And I love uh, kind of diving into it uh, with people. So I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm pumped again. I mean, we just did a webinar with the Chief Data Officer Magazine or CDO yeah. event, and that was awesome. So awesome that we're back here again, but this time with also my co-founder, Satish. Satish, you want to introduce yourself too? Uh, <clears throat> my name is Satish Janthi, uh, co-founder CTO at Coalesce. Um, again, uh, known Michael Tantrum for a long time. Um, you know, uh, we work with Ruffle Butts. Um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm super excited to have you guys uh, on this discussion about how to get the support from C-suite or the data team. Yep. So. Yep. A common issue in a lot of businesses. Uh, for those who don't know, Armand Petrosian, I'm the CEO, co-founder mm -hmm. at Coalesce. Uh, usually, it takes a couple minutes for people to trickle in. So if you are tuning in live right now, 
uh, why don't you let us know where you're tuning in from? And we were going to see if we should start with a, da- a data joke. I was going to call it, say, a dad joke or not, or just jump right into it. Um, there's usually a little lag. So anyways, uh, as, that's, as that's coming in, I, I am really excited to talk through, Matt, your story. I think it's a really unique one. I remember meeting with our board even recently, and mm-hmm. they were surprised to hear that there's a CFO out there using Coalesce typically products in the technology and transformation space uh, when it comes to analytics aren't adopted by C-suite people. I think there's a couple components there as to why this is becoming a thing, uh, but you've obviously got a, a really exciting story here. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to share it. <clears throat> I am uh, waiting to see if we want the data joke or not, but I think we may as well just, I think we may as well just go for it. Tantrum. I, 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 vote, for, I vote for a data joke. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. A man goes (laughs) to the doctor and the doctor says, he says, I'm sorry, I've got bad news. And the man says, well, I've got, and the doctor says, well, you've only got six months to live. And the man's very upset. He says, doc, uh, is there anything you can do? The doc says, I'm sorry. You know, you've only got six months, you're going to die. And the man says, please, doc, I'm desperate. Anything, any suggestions at all. And the doctor says, well, he says, you could build a data warehouse. And the man says, will that make me live longer? And the doctor says, no, but it'll make your last six months feel like forever. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I do feel like, you know, Tantrum, we've worked together for a long time, same as Satish, obviously. But I do feel like in the earlier stages of data warehousing projects, like definitely pre-cloud, that was so relevant. And you still see it from time to time with enterprise companies that, move slow or take a big bang approach. And so I love that joke. I'm glad we could kick it off. And it looks like Jaden here out in Tracy, California, gave us a thumbs up for doing this show. <laughs> We're getting some some LOLs. Uh, but that being said, why don't we get started? Got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm excited to uh, have Michael and Matt as the stars of the show today. And really, I would love just from your background, Matt, to kick things off, yeah. to talk through a bit of the data journey at Rufflebutts. Like from day yeah. one, you come in, can you just share with the audience what that experience was like and how you approached going to the modern data stack? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a little bit of background. I've been with the company about uh, uh, two and a half years and, and kind of there's been uh, institutional kind of investment for about three years. So I came in couple months after after the you know PE firm made their investment and uh, you know as I kind of surveyed I've been in bigger companies before uh, so you know under understand the FPNA side the data and analytics reporting side uh, there was not anything uh, really much in the way there were a couple of Google sheets you know maybe an Excel sheet or two updated you know from CSVs once a week and so I knew you know we, we have a pretty extensive product category you know uh, catalog so we have six thousand to eight thousand active SKUs at any time you know, there's a lot of data we need to drive uh, or really to understand the business. And so my first approach was, you know, using the tools at my disposal. So we, we were on NetSuite. We had all of our sales data in NetSuite. So I use that to understand, you know, number one, how, uh, how are we doing, you know, day by day? You know, the, the first question I, I, I wanted to know is how many, how much did I sell yesterday? You know, so I figured out how to do that. And then kind of built from there, really just to understand kind of uh, what, what's, you know, how is the business doing? You know, how, what, what, what makes it tick? And then once I knew exactly what I wanted from a kind of a, an analytics platform, that's when I, I went to then say, you know, I needed to go build a data warehouse. And I've, I've done it before, been very involved in data warehouse projects in my career. So I knew, I knew what I wanted uh, and, and I wanted it to be a very modern data stack because I'd seen things that were not so great and I'd seen some pretty good ones. And I knew that we could, uh, we could go build something pretty quickly. I was pretty confident of that because I had, I knew exactly what I needed to look like at the end of the day. And we wanted to start small and then build a platform that we could then bolt onto, uh, you know, for the long term. So, you know, I, I kind of think of it like a Lego approach. Let's go build something and then let's make sure that we can attach more Legos onto it uh, as we, or, or interchange them o- over time. So that's exactly what we did uh, at the beginning of last year. That's that's so awesome. We use that analogy even with our software engineering team as we yeah. go through development and talk through some releases. So it makes perfect sense. You mentioned that you had been exposed to a lot of data warehouse projects in the past. Was that typically as a consumer then? So you you saw mm-hmm. kind of the out, outlay of how these projects were successful and how they were 
potentially a failure and came into Rufflebutts and had that exposure. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd seen a lot of them uh, as a a data consumer and then a data kind of power user as well. So I knew, you know, as a user, I knew exactly what I wanted to get to. And so that led me years ago to teaching myself SQL because I didn't like the standard data sets I was being given. So I'm just going to go hunting myself. I'm going to go, you know, let, you know, look for my own data and kind of piece it together. So I kind of got exposed there and then at other bigger companies uh, seeing kind of very robust data warehouse projects. But but a lot of times you still could not get what you needed uh, in, in the time that you right. needed. And, and, and a lot of that was on the database transformation side and getting usable data sets. So so I'd kind of seen right. a little bit of, um, you know, what good looks like, what not so good looks like. And I, you know, then had the opportunity to kind of lead this project, uh, you know, being a data power user and also you know, knowing a tiny bit about the architecture side to be able to kind of bring in uh, some uh, a team like Resultant and Coalesce to be able to kind of build something very modern, very scalable, and very fast to kind of get results. That, that's about to ask, you know, what ultimately led you to Mr. Tantrum here, uh, just to get some thoughts there on like what your approach was from the development perspective. Yeah. How did you two meet? And then what was it that led to this relationship that's been so successful between you two? Because for us as a software provider, it's always really awesome to be able to see these relationships, but we usually don't have a super clear window into how that gets started and and really like what led to the next steps. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would say from the first time that Michael and I started working together, you know, I think we, we had a very common way of seeing things, which is, Hey, let's 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 go fast and iterate. Um, so I think I think you mentioned it, Armand, a little bit earlier about kind of big bang approaches. I've seen yeah. those, and I've seen those go very terribly in other kind of software development spaces. You know, within the companies I've worked at, and I knew that we needed to get us a, a proof of concept up and running quickly, and then be able to iterate. So that that's one thing I liked about working with Michael is you know he 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 knows. He knows that it's an iterative process. I don't know everything I need until, you know, until, you know, maybe months into the project, I might say, and we're still making tweaks, you know, to to kind of, hey, some data elements that we need. Um, And so Michael really understood that we were going to go fast. We were going to, he was not going to get annoyed with all the changes that I make on it, Um, you know, and and then, you know, so it was a really good, uh, you know, uh, data jokes aside, it was very good kind of, kind of working relationship from the get-go. I love it was that. interesting because one of the first things that Matt said to me is he said, I'm a little skeptical because I've seen this go bad before, but he said, <laughs> my IT team is four people. Do not make their life hard. I don't yeah. want you adding any load to them. And I said, it sounds like what that means is we've got to go SaaS. And he said, yep, I want easy, plug and play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, I can tell you what I need today and let's just grow from there. And yep. so, yeah, prototype, iterate. We had from turning on Snowflake, Coalesce, uh, we used Fivetran for ingestion, to having this first uh, star schema uh, was seven hours, and of which yep. five hours was trying to find the right data in NetSuite. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's, yeah that's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. tables there. So, yeah. 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 I, re- I actually remember when Michael called me and was like, hey, I need to get access to Coalesce. I got a POC going on. It was like Friday afternoon or something. And I think he must've just came out of a meeting with you, Matt. Mm -hmm. And over the weekend, it was his first time using the product, maybe second or third, something like that. But it was pretty early on. We had just came out of stealth maybe a few months after. And over the weekend, he built the POC in you know, probably his spare time while he was doing woodworking and hanging out with his wife. (laughs) Uh, And then, and then like on Monday, he was like, Hey, yeah, I, I, I did it. (laughs) <laughs> and uh i was i was so stoked to see like based on what you're yeah. saying from that journey of hey we wanted to just get something quick out there and and of course like you said it probably wasn't perfect it never is there's always iterations that need to be made oh, sure. to yeah. to continue but ultimately you're able to go from literally nothing to production in the matter of a couple of days tops so yeah yeah and yeah, and, that, and, and you know, yeah. oh, go, go ahead, Satish. No, I was just going to say that that is one of the um, uh, th- one of the areas that things would go wrong with the C-suite because what happens is C-suite. So let's say they invest the board, you know, they invest this particular software, but there's no output, uh, you know, months and months later. Right. But right? so they're wondering what is happening. Yeah. Like, where is the return on my investment? Um, mm-hmm. And and 
a the approach where you took Matt and uh, what you know Tantrum suggested is you know start small, iterate. Yep. That's the right approach. Don't exactly. bother pushing. But also, in order to do that successfully, you need tools. You need you know uh, people who can be part of that. So yeah. I think um, you, you had the right right approach in the formula for. Uh, yeah, for absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, to, to your point, Satish, on the Big Bang approach, you know, we actually, as we were looking to do this project, you know, we had kind of RFP'd it to a, a couple different firms, you know, including mm -hmm. Resultant. And, you know, Resultant was the one that came back with a modern kind of data stack. The other ones were, you know, I, I think five to eight times more expensive. And they wanted a full custom built solution that was, you know, it, it was it was a lot. I remember asking Michael about um I was like, hey, so I've got a, another company uh, that's that's you know wanting to do this, and and I was like, you know, give me conf you know, t tell me about your approach and contrast it. Michael's like, well, I can do that other one for you. I'll charge you that much, but but it's just it's not necessary to get something up and running so fast. And I'm I'm so glad. I think it was the best decision ever to go with a much more modern stack because you know we were fast, uh, you know, fast to market, if you will, internally and with the with our board. But then also we've been able to make changes very quickly. Yeah. I, I mean, so when you had all these bids from different consultancies, if I remember correctly, Tantrum had built out that first use case prior to signing on with Resultant. So is that is that correct? Or was that part of the process? Well, I think we'd structured, I think we'd structured an agreement, Michael, where it's like, hey, I'm going to sign up for, you know, 25% of the engagement and I want to see kind of results after that first piece. Yeah. So, so we had, we had signed kind of a mini, you know, we, we had split up the engagement letter into multi-phases because also I didn't want to get stuck with, you know, I, right. I mean, I'm stuck with Michael for a while now, but I didn't want to get <laughs> stuck with him if we weren't going to get results. Right. But, but uh, yeah. But, but definitely we got results very quickly and that led to extending that uh, scope to kind of cover more, you know, what we called subject areas to kind of go, you know, build out some operational data sets on. So uh, it, it was it was definitely a very, very uh, advantageous kind of uh, and, and it was I mean, the whole project, you know, uh, we had to iterate quite a bit. You know, we had our first, uh, you know, kind of dashboard data set ready and like Michael said, about seven hours and then. You know, we iterated on it for a couple of weeks, but we we still uh, had something very usable in such a quick amount of time that was honestly even surprising to me that we got there that quickly. But yeah, and the key that, was that it's Matt, interesting. Because, Matt, was go ahead, Sandra. Yeah, the key was is that Matt didn't have to write a requirements document. He didn't have to go away and do all this business analysis. He said, "Here's what I want to do. The Fourth of July sale is coming up. I want to know what we sold by category." I said, any more than that? He said, just start there. Mm -hmm. And the requirements mm -hmm. started as simple as that. So you build a prototype, I'll put real data in front of him. Now that he had real data, he said, can we do this? Can you calculate this KPI? Can you break it down like this? And okay. uh, that's evolving requirements, evolving with the prototype. Because uh, yeah. um, one of the things he's talking about here you know, from the C-suite is they have concern about risk investment, whether they're investing with an external firm like us or internal people. But if we get it wrong, um, data warehouse projects can be the iceberg on which CIO um, careers die. And so, um, you know, how yeah. do we mitigate the risk? And so tr trying a little bit, uh, prototype, iterate, fail fast. Um, you know, it, uh, this, this pattern we got into with Matt of continuous delivery, every couple of weeks, a new thing came out. Uh, that's that's how you reduce that risk and anxiety yeah, from the season. Absolutely, yeah, and and you know it's interesting because um, I you know this was last year, so I don't remember the exact timing. I think it was around the Q1 board meeting is when I kind of was like, I'm going to go build a data warehouse. Here's the architecture. Here's what we're going to do, and you know we kind of got provisional thumbs up on that. But there was one one of our board members in particular who was very knowledgeable about this, and you know I, I spent some time outside the board meeting with her. And, you know, she candidly said, hey, I, I did this wrong once. And I mean, she's, you know, she's a you know president of, of another company now. But um, she's like, I've done this wrong and it cost me two to three years. So I just want to make Oof. sure that you are doing it properly. And so I walked her through everything. I actually I actually talked to her, her kind of lead engineer uh, who, you know, kind of walked him through the whole architecture 
Uh, actually talked to another person who was a you know uh, very large user of Five Tran just to kind of get you know get get comfortable with the whole solution and you know then mm-hmm. you know kind of went forward with it and it was probably the Q3 board meeting you know where we were going back through the the project and she was very happy and and impressed uh, that like hey you, you did it right and and like you saved yourself you know two two to three years of misery so I think I think had yeah. I gone the other path you know. <laughs> With a custom build solution that seemed, you know, uh, seemed, and and it's not, it's not wrong. It's just I think I think inferior of a, of a build. Yeah. And so yeah, so so that was that was a cool story coming out of that. That uh, you know, and I think a lot of you know the the, the whole this you know this that the title of this is winning the C suite support. So I think one of the big things was seeing results coming out of it very quickly, and then being able to then. Uh, make sure that, that that's not just a one-time result that then you can then iterate and build upon it. So, you know, there, there's, I think both of those is what you need to make sure that you kind of have that support at the highest level. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. This is one of my favorite stories because it's almost like the, the CFO takes on the data project and the approach operationally that you took is what led to the success. And so oftentimes you see different mindsets translate really well into cross departmental projects. And so even, even the way that you bid off this project and said, Hey, Michael, let's do this engagement, but we're going to, we're going to pay for this first portion first before we do anything else is a strategic decision. It's one that probably that board member didn't make when they spent Mm -hmm. two to three years trying to implement. Whereas you were able to say, let's get the value quickly. Let's, let's get a quick win. Yeah, let's attack some low hanging fruit. I've got some clarity on what I want. So yeah, it's uh, it's cool. The CFO that can do the CDO and CIO's job, Matt Tischler, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I can't. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I moonlight as a, as those, but uh, definitely, you know, there's there, there's a lot of skill sets I yeah. don't have in that space. But but I know enough to be dangerous. We'll just say. Yeah, that. yeah. It's, it's, you know, I got a little story that I want to share. All right, um, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, you guys are lucky, like, uh, you know, meaning in uh, in terms of having a board member like Matt, uh, who understands technology intimately, mm-hmm. like he has experience. But that's not always the case. A lot of times when you go, you know, you could have a C-suite that they don't really understand the data, you know, strategy need and, and the data foundation's importance at a deeper level. Uh, and, and so I used to work for this financial firm where, uh, you know, I was responsible to manage the data. So my f- three months into the into the job, um, after talking to several other people in de- several departments, I put together a dashboard for them based on some, you know, data that I built behind the scenes, and I shared with the with the C suite. Um, and it's basically breaks down all the assets that they're managing and what type of mm-hmm. products, blah, blah, blah. And then 10 minutes into the call, uh, I thought I would get uh, a lot of like appreciation and all of that. And this one guy goes, uh, my guy can build this in Excel. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I should have prepared these guys what it takes to do this. Uh, first thing, the data set that I put together was 200 million rows behind the scenes. Excel has a limit of 1 million. Yeah, There's no way you could do it. And he has no idea because his exposure was only the charts. Yeah, He doesn't understand what he's looking at the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, um, so, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you don't have maps in all these board C-suites. Uh, <laughs> <you Yeah>. uh, <laughs> uh, so you have to, I mean, if you, you in the sense, whoever is listening to this uh, and watching this, and if you are one of those uh, persons responsible for your data strategy or, or you're adding value to your organization from a data standpoint, you need to think about how do I educate this C-suite yeah. upfront mm. so they understand the importance of having a data foundation, having a data strategy. Yeah. And, and what, what's think- the approach there for, for educating upstream? Like what, Matt, you as a consumer, as a stakeholder, like what, what allowed you to become informed outside of just going out and doing your own research? Was there anything that anything that you did in particular as an enlightened CFO or as an enlightened executive? 
Wow, those are those are lofty, uh, lofty titles. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll start. I'll start saying some hurtful things soon. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate. It. Just direct them to Michael. And, 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 <laughs> okay, okay. I'll say the offensive things for Tantrum. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, uh, I, I guess uh, to kind of go off of, of Satisha's kind of story there, like, I mean. <laughs> At the end of the day, like I've got Excel open now. I've got, you know, I, I live yeah. and, and, and breathe and will die in Excel, right? But but I know the limitations there. And so, and I think, I think you know, Satish, to your example, like, you know, I'm sure that that, that board member is probably the the, the, CF, the non-enlightened CFO that was in there that was saying that his, <laughs> his team can pull this together in Excel. But, but I think where, where you start piecing that out is, hey, you probably showed a snapshot in time, right? Of like, hey... And, you know, here, here's what sales were in October. And then, but it very quickly breaks down if you want to say, okay, well then can I look at it by day? Can I look at it by product line? Can I look at it by customer type, by where, you know, because you think about a direct consumer business, you have customer, you have what they bought, how much they bought it for, and then what day mm-hmm. they bought it, what hour they bought it, all that kind of stuff. And then you get into the Google Analytics data. It's, it, there's a lot there. So I, th- I think that's where educating educating uh, others on, hey, you know, th- there's there's questions behind the questions behind the question, like it's a never ending stream and you need to be able to answer any of those. So, you know, back whenever you know, I mentioned before we were running in Google Sheets, it was usually a snapshot in time. Hey, here's our sales for yesterday or last week. Well, if I wanted to look at it by day, well, I don't have that. I, I need to go now pull it, pull the data by day. When you have the right data architecture set up, it is a drag and drop in Tableau or Power BI or whatever tool you use versus, and it's just, it makes it infinitely kind of drillable uh, if you have it set up right. So I think, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get that across to, uh, to, to folks at at a C-suite level or board. But, but I think, I think how I've always phrased it is, Hey, I need to be able to answer not just the question that I posed, but the questions that come out of that, the answer to that question, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like, you you know, because you're gonna see, oh, you know, we, we saw a lot of swimsuits, for example, like, okay, our swim sales are up. Okay, well, what's driving that? Well, that's another question that requires a different data set if you're using Excel yeah. or, okay, well now, you know, which sizes are selling differently? Okay, right. well, that's another question to answer. So a properly set up kind of infrastructure like we have now, I can answer any of those questions for any day, for any, you know, hour, you know, whatever you'd want, but you need to start. Uh, it's not, it's not just the end results that you want to see. You need to be able to then recreate that end result for any iteration uh, therein. So that's probably a very complicated way of saying it, but. Yeah. Is that, is a lot of that because of the, like when you go through those questions about how you got there, is that all addressed in the lineage and documentation then? Is that where that comes to? Or is it more an iteration from that? Or maybe both? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, and, okay. and, and also a lot of it is driven by, a lot of it is driven by like, how do we, and, and this is what Michael and I talked about very early on, like how do we as a company talk about the business, right? So we talk about it in terms of, you know, if we look at our product categorization, it's divided between... Yeah you know, your department. So is it, is it girls? Is it boys? Is it, you know, we now sell men and, and, and kind of women's stuff. So, you know, what is your overall hierarchy of how you talk about the business? And then how do you make sure that that is then built into the kind of lineage within Coalesce and everything? So, yeah. 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 Tantrum, I got a couple of questions for you too, but go ahead. I'll, I'll save them. I was just going to say, for there's, after. There's a, yeah. yeah, there's an inherent tension uh, between the business units who need data to make decisions and IT. So the business units say, we need it right now. And IT says, mm-hmm. but you need it right. And so fighting that tension um, mm-hmm. and you know, coming mm-hmm. back to Matt's thing where they say, but we can knock it together in Excel. Yeah, the question you know today, but not the questions you don't anticipate. Yeah. And it becomes more and more important the more data you get, that it is repeatable and it's explainable because there's nothing as yes. embarrassing sitting around this, the boardroom table and someone says, right, here's my report. And somebody says, but your numbers are wrong or they don't match mine. Mm. And and so, so being able to say, firstly, yeah. it's repeatable. And secondly, I can tell you how I got here. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That's, yeah. And one, just one more thing to that is the speed at which you can answer those questions the new questions that you just uh understood based on the answer for the previous question 
Uh, so yeah. we, you know, I used to refer the, to this as a speed of thought analysis. Like, you know, you, you thought something, you saw it, you have the data readily available. It's not like you got to go back to your desk and take another week to build that. Be when you pull the data at the right grain and build that foundation, yeah. right, then you have this framework, this, uh, this uh, power to answer those questions as they come in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's an axiom of analytics that users don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And all mm -hmm. they can do is give you what they, they know today, but they can't yeah. anticipate the questions that will come out of the answers and they'll be different every day. Yeah. Uh, and so, as you say, firstly, being creating the right structures so that you can anticipate a lot of it, but being able to adapt when priorities change. And so the classic thing is, you know, COVID. When COVID hit, everybody's mm -hmm. priorities for what they needed to analyze in their business changed overnight suddenly they needed to know what's going to happen with our staffing what's going to happen with our mm -hmm. finances and things like that those were questions that nobody knew they were going to need to ask a week earlier and yet yeah. everybody had to pivot and so being able to move quickly is important and uh, you can't do that without good tools mm -hmm. absolutely <sighs> tantrum i got a couple questions for you and also for anybody on the audience that has questions feel free to hit them in the comments we monitor them and uh, if you got a question for matt michael or both satish and i happy to answer but going into this project <clears throat> as a consultancy you know working with matt obviously trying to get a project done quickly i'm always curious how does resultant approach what technologies they adopt or recommend or suggest within uh for for a customer so like what what was that path like for you and how you were able to approach it with matt yeah so um usually we have a set of questions to say number one do they have existing investments and in technologies that has to be used uh, and secondly right. what are the what are the business imperatives now for matt it was very straightforward he said don't make the life of my it guys hard mm -hmm. i don't want to install right. anything um, and i don't want to pay a fortune up front for something i don't know if i'm going to use and so we said okay let's go for a SaaS model and let's go for a consumption mm -hmm. model and so mm -hmm. snowflake became the obvious answer data warehouse is a service consumption he can grow into it um, there may be snowflake people on the call so i'm not going to tell you how much or how actually how little matt pays for his snowflake but he's got that down very, very nice little science there it's definitely increased over the last year but yes yeah, yeah. um the um so that was the first thing so it was you know he his driver was i need to have low impact on my team it needs to be sas uh and um, I don't want to have to manage servers. I don't want to have mm. to manage, um, you know, other infrastructure. I just want to pay as I go. Um, the other thing is, he says, I don't want to have to hire an army of people. So, right. uh, you know, we're private equity back, which means that we are nimble, we are fast, we are agile, we are lean. Mm -hmm. I have people with tribal knowledge. He was the key guy, but there were other people in there who, who know how the business works. I need them to be leveraged. I need them to be more productive. What I don't want is to have to go hire 10 people to operate a data environment. And so right. uh, that's in part why we, we went with Fivetran. It was plug and play connected to NetSuite, mm -hmm. connected to Google Analytics, drop it into Snowflake, away we go. Coalesce, the ability to dream of an idea, test it in real time yep. with the user. What comes out is production-ready uh, code, production-ready entities, and, and then being able to iterate on that. And after we did our engagement, we said, here you go, Matt. He said, I'll call you if I need you. Well, as it turns out, they've been able to, using Coalesce, being able to manage it themselves, which is the goal, right? Yeah. Now, it's yeah. kind of tough because uh, the inherent model of a consultancy firm is we want to sell ours, but really what <laughs> right. we want to do is we want to delight users, yeah. delight our clients. Yeah. And so, you know, here's Matt, he's talking about this project a year later because he mm -hmm. got exactly what he wanted from us. Uh, and so absolutely. we would rather set him up for success than say, how many mm -hmm. extra hours can I bill? And so we're at uh, uh, resultant, we're a huge fan of automation, a uh, huge fan of Coalesce because it allows us to get um, users to the endpoint or their first endpoint so much faster without all of the pain that they struggle with. Yeah. And, you know, the, the getting to the start line is the thing that makes firms really nervous. You know, you say, right, okay, right. we do need some form of data analytics platform. We need to do some form of data preparation. We don't know quite what that looks like. We've read all the Gartner things. We've been to a conference. What does it look like to get to a start line? And I've heard of firms spending half a million dollars on reports from, you know, the big four consulting firms to get this big document on how to start. Matt was 
as I say, you know, by the end of day one, he's already got stuff he can work with. That's what yeah. modern firms are looking for. Absolutely. And, and, and one thing, you know, I think, I mean, I love, I love everything in our stack, but uh, Coalesce is, is kind of like the secret sauce, I think, in, in this because um, it allows us to change things very quickly. So like, you know, in, in my, my previous lives working with kind of big IT teams, you know, you, you tell them, hey, I, I need this, this extra column in this, in this data set over here. And they say, okay, that'll be three months. Uh, like, you know, we got we to gotta get through all the code and kind of do that. Um, and, you know, I was, a, you know, I'm reasonably technical. I was able to do it and coalesce myself. You know, hey, I, I forgot I needed this field in NetSuite brought all the way through to my, you know, item dimension table, right? So, okay, I was able to do that myself. And, and we actually now have, I actually now have, I'm not doing it myself. I've got somebody in my team who uh, is a data very, very solid from an analytics side and has kind of learned the architecture side and he now manages it. But uh, Coalesce is, I think I told you Armand the other day, it's become his his favorite tool. He'd never seen it before, uses it now. And he's like this, this you know, the column lineage function and everything to be able to understand, you know, how to, you know, how to transform a data set is, um, you know, it, that is probably the, the one of the best things in the stack because it allows you to be nimble. It allows your code to, you know, always be good. It allows you to test in a development environment and then gives you great reporting on kind of anything going on in production. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I know, I'm of course, talking on a Coalesce podcast, but, but Coalesce is, uh, you know, it is has become probably one of our favorite tools because it allows us to change anything that we need to based on the needs of the business. So that's that's awesome. Talk about lofty things. I uh, super appreciate it, Matt. And I, I find it interesting because like you talk about it being the secret sauce and really, you know, just last week I was on a webinar with another one of our customers, Group 1001 and the co-founder of Fivetran, Taylor. Mm. Uh, awesome, awesome guy. And we were talking through their approach at Fivetran on how they were really focused on automating the data ingestion component. And we've seen automation impact all the segments of analytics at this point, with the exception of transformations. Right. So like, you, you know, a, you know, a couple of years ago, before we had came out of stealth, you're basically given only manual intensive options at best. Yeah. And so that really became the focal point of any data project, whereas everything else was, was pretty much streamlined. Snowflake, yeah. super easy to stand up. You could start using it within seconds. It's infinitely scalable, extensible, easy to use, similar with the BI tools like Tableau. And then Fivetran sequentially was the next step around just getting access to data within your cloud data warehouse very yeah. easily. And so we felt so much conviction around the biggest bottleneck being taking that raw data and getting it to the point where it's consumable. And so that's really what we wanted to focus on and automate those components as much as possible, but also make it broadly applicable to any type of user. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In, 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 okay. Go ahead, Satish. No, I was just going to say, by the way, when your IT team said, Hey, it'll take months to, you know, add columns, they weren't lying. Oh, oh I know. yeah. <laughs> I just want to point out to people. They were yeah. lying because the, the fact it's... that they have built so much code, they mm. have to sift through that code to even mm -hmm. like understand, hey, what would be the impact of this change? Because yeah. they are so afraid of changing something which is already working because it's so fragile to begin with. And it's yeah. hard for them to. And you really hope the guy who wrote the original is still working there. Yeah, that, right. not, you're like, oh, I mean, I'm not sure I want to touch this. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's that you, you're spot on, you know, and, and I could see I could see based, you know, because I was always the, the annoying one who would be like, well, show me why it's going to take me, you know, take you, you know, two months. And, <laughs> you know, like they'd walk me through, hey, here's here's all the kind of third procedures that are creating this table downstream that's based on all these different staging tables and it's all manually written code. And so yep. um, I, I think that's where, you know, Coalesce allows us to be so nimble. So I can say, hey, we, you know, we need this new attribute on all of our products that's in NetSuite added into, uh, added into our kind of sales table, right? Um, you know, my guy will take, uh, he's like, okay, give me 30 minutes, give me 45 minutes maybe, <laughs> and it'll be, you know, out there for all users to be able to then slice by that dimension. Or, you know, 
it is it, that, that's why I think you're spot on that that is that is the point of failure in that data warehouse kind of journey is yeah you have right. all the data it's all it, it's ready to be visualized you just don't have it usable and you don't have a scalable way to make it usable to end yeah. users. And so. it gets worse because what happens is then is that the business functions go, well, if you're too slow, I guess I have to solve it myself. That's and exactly you end up right. With all of these shadow IT type mm -hmm. solutions, which are cobbled yep. together by people who are not specialists in data, That's... but they got the answer that they needed. You know, they, mm -hmm. they'll go and buy Alteryx and they'll cobble together something and that'll get them over today. But then you end up this whole problem of propagating uh, irreconcilable data. And so again, oh. you get round the board table and your data doesn't match my data. And but yeah, it was a necessary evil because I couldn't wait for IT. That's, I, I mean, you know, uh, my, my example, I had my own data sets that I created with, you know, custom code because I couldn't, I couldn't wait. And so, you know, the good thing is, I mean, we're still small uh, and, and uh, kind of a lean team here, but there was a lot of kind of one-off, you know, NetSuite mm -hmm. still has a lot of our information. So a lot of people would have their CSV downloads that they'd go do their own thing. Uh, very, very infrequently do we have that anymore because everything is all solved. And and anything that you need to go to NetSuite for, it's kind of a corner case that we just haven't gotten to yet. So, uh, but everything yeah. from sales to inventory to, you know, every, anything else we need, we even have our, uh, you know, every every scan that happens in the in the warehouse is now in in Snowflake, and we have dashboards to see productivity. So, like everything is is um, is there. So, and and everything matches too. That's that's the thing I love about it is you know if I say you know we did this much yesterday, somebody else is going to have the same number. So, right, right. It's all traceable. It's understandable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no faster way for the business to lose trust in the data team than for two data points to be inaccurate. Like one question leading to multiple different answers. It seems like that is one thing that so quickly leads to a treacherous relationship between the business yeah. and the data team. And yeah. so we've seen that way too many times, especially in large businesses, as the efforts get more siloed or certain people get impatient waiting for the data team. It's it's one of the critical reasons why you know we want to be able to allow yeah. developers or anybody using our product to do it as quickly as possible. What what else do you see as a you know just as advice for the audience? Like, what else do you see as certain things that lead to either issues, either you know lack of lack of communication, mm -hmm. whatever it may be yeah. that that puts harm on the relationship between the stakeholders or the consumers and then the actual builders. Yeah. Um, well, 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 go ahead, Michael. Yeah. So traditionally we've had this adversarial relationship between IT and the business where the business asks, IT goes and builds, and then the business decides mm. whether to accept or not. And because of that long delays that happen with that, invariably what they ask for is not what they actually need. And so how do you turn it from an adversarial relationship into a collaborative relationship? The, the key, I think, is firstly on the business side, you want mm. to identify those key people with uh, those key analysts with tribal knowledge who know the, the business, who know the data. They may not be technical, but they know what needs to be done. And you want to bring them into a room, what I call conference room development, side by side with an IT person. The IT person knows the technology. They know how to do it right. <laughs> and they build it together, prototype, iterate together. And when you get that collaboration, firstly, you lose the um, us versus them. And secondly, the other thing is adoption. It's one thing to build this beautiful data warehouse. It's another thing for our users to say, okay, I'll give up my spreadsheet and I'll use this new dashboard. Mm -hmm. People mm. trust people, not data. And yeah. so if this trusted uh, tribal knowledge holder is part of the project and he comes along and he says, hey, we've got this new data set. And everybody says, okay, can we trust it? And he says, yes. And they say, how do you know? And he says, because I built it. I was part of the project and they yeah. said, well, we trust you. And so adoption is another thing that kills projects and, and mm. uh, you know, a, another sense of anxiety for the C-suite. So you get around the adoption problem by making it a collaborative project. Yeah. Was on. it uh, Sun Tzu said, you know, keep your, was it your enemies, uh, your, your friends close and your business users closer or something? Uh, <laughs> I think it was, it was enemies, but I think, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, awesome. I, I echo that, Michael. And what I was going to say about what Armand was saying about um, um, about 
having those power users involved in the development is is so critical. And I think that's how we work together, Michael, because I had built everything in Excel. So I knew I knew what the correct answer was to what was sales yesterday. So then we knew we knew if we were on track or off track with the accuracy component of, of what we were building, because I was also doing it on the side to know I know what the correct answer is. Right. I think a lot of times when you have kind of IT or data teams go go off into a, into a, into a closet for a couple of weeks and they come out and they say, OK, you know, you did eight billion dollars in sales yesterday. It's like, well, I wish, but uh, that's not correct because, you know, we're, we're not uh, we're not that big of a company. So uh, I think having that kind of collaboration together is 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 key so that you then have kind of an end result that is both accurate, but then also uh, that, that everyone kind of trusts. And I think, you know, that, that was one of the things, honestly, and going back to the accuracy point, like, you know, e- e- even our even our use case, we were we were really good, but, you know, we weren't 100 percent accurate on day one. Like we had to work on it. And I think but, you know, I had a particular user within the company who, you know, was almost the, the guinea pig for kind of using uh, kind of the data warehouse to get to get the data versus NetSuite. And so, you know, we had I had very frequent conversations with her on. She's like, hey, I don't think this is right. Then we go back and look at it and say, oh, sure enough, we didn't take into account X. So now let's go fix X which was easy and coalesce. Okay, now it now looks more correct. Okay, now, so it was a very iterative approach. And now, you know, she's one of the super users. She does not even, she doesn't even get into NetSuite to pull her data anymore, which that was, that was kind of a huge uh, component of, of trust in kind of the system that, you know, you don't need to go to the source because uh, the, the data sets that you put together are easier to use and also more accurate uh, and 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 uh, whatnot than, than kind of the source itself. Or not more accurate, but they're accurate to the source. Yeah, and the good thing is every time there is a question where this number feels off, show me where it came from. It's so easy in Coalesce to say, well, here's a lineage. Here's yes. what we did with oh, it, yeah. here's where it came from. And then the conversation, you know, without um, a metadata-driven tool like Coalesce, that question takes between half a day to two days to answer because you've got to go look through code and all that sort of stuff. And and Coalesce is like, one second, right? Here's a lineage. Now, what was the question Mm. again? Let's talk about it. Here's this business rule. Do you remember you gave me that in that meeting, you know, three weeks (laughs) ago? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I I, I think you know, just our architecture and our approach is what led to being able to produce that lineage and interact with it in a way that no other technology allows you to do. And it's it's similar to what we were talking about earlier around the relationship crumbling if you don't have the ability to showcase in the meeting where somebody is calling you out and saying, where did this data come from? You, you have to be able to produce that to be able to, mm-hmm. to have a harmonious relationship and build trust. Uh, especially assuming you don't have a pre-existing relationship with someone, like you said, yep. Michael. Some cases there's just a lot of trust between the people, um, but you know, being able to reinforce that with the data is massively helpful. Um, I've got a I've got a question that's a bit. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a trendy topic. I would say I'm curious to hear your feedback on it. Uh, but you know, for Matt and Michael, when it comes to like all of this noise in the AI, ML, LLM space. Like, what are your thoughts there on either potentially doing something in that space at Rufflebutts or Tantrum yeah. at, at Resultants? Like, how, how are you two approaching those types of discussions right now? And, and is it coming up in the board meetings that you go oh, to? Yeah. Inside? Oh, it's, it's actually, it's huge. I mean, we actually had a kind of, we had our annual uh, PE firms investor conference last week, and then we had a follow-on meeting uh, you know, uh, to go through with all the portfolio companies. And one of the one of the key topics they brought in, you know, a, a big consulting firm to talk about AI. So it was a huge topic last week and how we can use it in our business. Um, you know, and we already are using actually some machine learning on the customer analytics side. So, uh, you know, it's it's it, based on the data sets we have and, and the kind of expertise we have in building now, we are able to use machine learning to kind of predict customer behavior, predict who's a high value customer, who's who's not. Whatnot. So that's so we're using that. But in terms of kind of some of the forward thinking AI, you know, I think I think we're we're almost to the point of finding some really good use cases there. I think it's it's you know there, some of the use cases I, I saw last week. I was like, well, that's you 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 built something to you know for a question that not many people are going to have, or you can solve it differently. But I think you know one of the things that came up for us is. 
Um, you know, is, you know, we, we have a lot of data on our customers. We have a lot of data on what they bought, uh, when they bought, where, where they are, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but then the, the intangible component of that is kind of what the product looks like. Right. So like, you know, we, we, we kind of re refresh stuff every season. And so how can we use, you know, AI, uh, you know, for, for, from that standpoint to understand, you know, to predict what is going to be the, the winner next year from a sales standpoint, because, you know, we're making investment in product, you know, four to five months before we've sold uh, a unit. We need to make sure that it's going to be a, a good seller. And so, you know, the, the combination, you know, one of the things I've been interested in is how can AI help the combination of kind of quantitative data with mm -hmm. qualitative kind of visual data. I don't know, mm -hmm. I don't know how it can do that, but if AI can do anything, it should try to do that uh, because I think that that could be hugely helpful in, you know, we're, we're not full fashion business, but uh, you know, one of the right. members at the, uh, at the, that was presenting from this, you know, large consulting firm, you know, he had a fashion kind of apparel analytics background and he totally understood the use case because you know, you could have something that, you know, you can, you know, your, your best seller might be 10 X your lowest seller. And if you're buying right. everything, if you're buying everything equal, then you're going to run out of the top seller and you're gonna have way too much of the bottom seller. So that's, mm -hmm. that's probably one of the biggest use cases that we're kicking around. Um, that is that I've not seen, you know, of course there, there's stuff with like, you know, customer service chats, chatbots, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's kind of stuff that's right. out there. But what I've not seen is, how do you augment analytics from numeric data to non-numeric data, including kind of, hey, here's here's a swatch of what the product, the bestseller looked like. Now here's the swatches for next season. Go predict the, right. the I don't know, like that's that's just one, like a wave of magic wand, uh, we would have that up and running so that I can be confident in the the inventory we're buying next year or so. That, that's, a, that's a super cool use case to think about like taking the visuals of your top sellers and some of the data that reinforces it yeah. and trying to train an AI model to actually yes, produce exactly. new so, so lines yes. of clothing. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. it's, it's the analytical component, but then it is the generative AI in terms of, yeah. hey, you know, go, you know, based on all the sales data I trained you on uh, and, and here's, here's also what's trending kind of in the marketplace go, go give me a, you know, a lot of our business is like the, the print and pattern work, which, you know, I'm, I'm the least qualified person to talk about, but I can understand it conceptually, you know, of what, what a mom is going to be attracted to, but go, go generate a pattern or at least, uh, you know, that, that might be good. It might look like garbage, but, but at least it'd be <laughs> helpful to kind of have that, that information to, to start off a season with. So that, that's just one, kind of very specific to kind of the apparel space use case. But, right. But it's something I've I've not seen um, happen before. Uh, maybe it's out there with bigger companies. I just don't know about it. But Ruffle Bus is going to be the first one to take it to market. I believe. Yeah. Uh, I, it just needs to look better than those AI-generated commercials. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I would probably add a little bit of color to that and say, you know, in the data world and the analytics world, we're still trying to figure out what AI might be. Mm -hmm. And yeah. before I make comments directly on AI, let me say that it's got to be based on data and doing today's job, you've still got to do today's job well. And so sure. it's, it's great to go chasing the new shiny thing, but do today's mm -hmm. job well. I think the thing for me that make that I'm curious to see where AI can help in the data world is, you know, we talk about the thing that users don't know what they don't know. They don't know what questions they should be asking. And I mm -hmm. think the idea to say, this is what I'm asking you, you know, this is my question now, and to have the analytics platform say, and you should also be thinking about these other things because people who ask questions mm -hmm. like this should also be asking these follow-up questions. <laughs> and I think that closing that gap is going to be really interesting. How it's going to happen, yeah. I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Satish, you're way more well-versed in this topic than I am. What are your thoughts as far as it relates to a use case like this? Yeah, so uh, Matt has brought up a very interesting thing that's uh, the, the, you know, regarding this generative AI. Um, today, what the models that are out there are text-based or image-based. So, and they call this mm -hmm. modality, like, you know, it's a single model. Um, models, mm -hmm. but the, the next generation of uh, these LLMs would contain, uh, it, it's going to be multi-model, 
mm -hmm. uh, modality uh, LLMs, which yeah. is basically means now they can bring the image data and the text data and the number data, whatever structure and structure together into one thing and have those, uh, you know, questions like what you're trying to answer, you know, how, how do yeah. you put these two together uh, and get, you know, generative yeah. information out of that. So that, that is definitely happening. Uh, you're just uh, you're you're thinking the right problem. You're you're thinking yeah. the right problem that's being solved as we speak. So it's great. Right. Yeah. Well, well, if if you solve it, Satish, let me know. It's not it's not our next release. I thought that's uh, I thought that's yeah, coming yeah. in a few weeks. It's, it's, it's <laughs> AI. Yeah. 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 AI. Uh, no, but it's a, it's a very interesting thing that you brought up. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So. Is there anything else that you two are most excited for about the future in the analytics industry? And I'm and I'm saying this mm. kind of as we wrap things up. I'm just curious as some parting words. Uh, you know, yeah. Is there anything that you're most excited for that's upcoming outside of outside of AI use cases? Maybe other use cases that come to mind or technologies that come to mind. I think that the boardroom is starting to gain hope that there is a way mm. to do data that is inexpensive and that can mm -hmm. be responsive in terms of time uh, and that the traditional ways you know because a lot of the times we can't do anything different because it's the way we've always done it and i would say particularly as we start to get a tighter economy uh, you know, people need to be able to measure. If you want to be more effective and more efficient, you, you can only do that if you if you know what to make more efficient. And so I need to measure it, to monitor it. You know, what gets measured gets done. And I think um, this is this could be the next couple of years, the year of uh, of of analytics. Uh, you know, helping right. people through these these tighter times. Yeah, absolutely. How about yeah. you, Matt. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I was going to say, you know, in, in addition to the to kind of, you know, and Sidhi, she put a lot better words on it than I. The multimodal kind of analysis, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think also just taking a step back on just getting getting faster. You know, the, the kind of the first wave is that kind of efficiency wave, you know, of AI, right? So it's right. kind of the it's copy, it's all this kind of thing, you know. Then it kind of moves on from there, but. I, you know, there, there's basic questions that I want to know about the business that still take me a little bit of time, even with a fantastic data warehouse, all this kind of stuff. And I know that I know that Tableau and uh, Power BI, you know, a lot of, you know, even Excel is starting. They're starting to have these tools where you can, you know, ask it a question. And, you know, uh, my experience over the past couple of years has been, you know, it's garbage, but hopefully it'll get better over time. I think that would actually be very useful for yeah. uh, particularly at the at the C-suite and board level who have access to that to be able to say, hey, you know, uh, like how are my sales in October versus forecasting versus last year and have it pull up, you know, uh, I want it by channel, have it pull up something like a generative kind of dashboard almost. That would be actually helpful because I find I still find myself, I did one this morning, just a quick back of the envelope. So I was like, well, I don't have a dashboard that says exactly this and I need this for an email I'm sending. So let me go do it myself. So I put it together, you know, in, in, in Tableau and there's no reason why, you know, AI could not assist with that. Like, uh, you know, a generative yeah. board type solution would be very useful for those ad hoc questions that come up. Um, you know, they come up in meetings and it's like, well, let me go back. Right. Even, even with a great infrastructure, like I said, it'll, it might still take you 15 to 20 minutes that it could take, uh, it could, could take AI, you know, 15 seconds to generate it for you. So that's that's kind of one of the use cases that I, I think would be uh, very solid, at least in the day-to-day -day side of it. Not It's not groundbreaking. It just helps you get better every day. Yeah. It's, it's funny you bring that up because uh, Snowflake just had their features announcement, Snow Day, mm -hmm. yesterday, where they talk about their roadmap in the future. And... If I'm understanding you correctly, that is exactly where they're headed with this new product called Snowflake Cortex, where oh, it's nice. effectively around how do we leverage LLMs to answer questions for analysts within seconds from your already existing yeah. data infrastructure, exactly. which is super cool yeah. and serendipitous that, that that was something that I was tuning into yesterday. And then now you're talking about it, uh, yeah. just more reinforcement that they're on the right track yeah, as exactly. a business. So, yeah. yeah. Satish, any any thoughts on your end? I'm curious yeah. to hear before we wrap things up here. 
Yeah, de definitely one point I want to make here is, the, the, you know, for all the analysts and all the data science people, uh, you know, all the AI people, the holy grail is I have this text box, like a Google search. I want to ask a yeah. question, want to get the answer. That's the holy grail. And, mm -hmm. and the mistake, or some people may be misunderstanding that these LLMs are going to be some magical things that would automatically answer that. All you need to do is just feed all your business data and it will answer the question. <laughs> That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You got to have a strong foundation. You got to have all the data. You got to make sure what's going into these models uh, is all accurate. Uh, mm -hmm. However, what comes out of that is can be improved by a lot because of the generative AI capabilities. Right. You find things that you cannot find um, manually, or you may not have the time to build all the variations of these dashboards over and over and over. Right. But with generative AIs, it can, if you feed all the right information, accurate, governed, clean information, then these models are going to be extremely helpful to give you those insights uh, what I call the speed of thought analysis. Like you think yeah. about something that answers yeah. right there, you know? That's um, great. Yeah. yeah. I love that. You you recently wrote a blog post about that that was reshared on Stack Overflow. Mm -hmm. If anybody that's tuning in wants to check it out, I think go in a bit, few layers deeper in that whole concept. But <clears throat> regardless, it's all exciting stuff. I am so pleased to have both of you. It's been a long time coming. I know we did the webinar with the CDO magazine, mm -hmm. but yeah. this one is a, more of like a casual coffee style conversation. Uh, no prep work, it uh, flew by, at least the hour did. And I'm so grateful for both of you, uh, Michael and Matt, and of course, Satish. So thank you so much for joining us and I'm looking forward to the next one that we do. Yeah. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun. Yep, it was. Thanks, I, I thanks everybody. All right, thanks so much, y'all.